Picture this. It's a crystal clear blue sky day and you hear the sound of a plane flying overhead. You look up and notice a long white cloud like a trail coming from the plane. Well, this is something we've all seen and sometimes you may even see multiple streaks crossing the sky. Well, those lines are called contrails and they're produced by engine exhaust from airplanes. Some conspiracy theorists will tell you that the contrails are actually something called chemtrails, toxins or poison dropped into our environment by the government. Well, chemtrails aren't real, but contrails are, and they are causing some real issues. Contrails can trap heat in the atmosphere and have a surprisingly large impact on climate change. In fact, according to the 2022 Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change report, The clouds created by contrails account for roughly 35% of aviation's global warming impact. That's a lot. So today we're going to go off the radar and see how major tech companies like Google are using AI to help reduce these climate-harming contrails. I'm meteorologist Emily Gracie, and you're listening to Off the Radar, a production of the National Weather Desk. On the show, we dig deep into topics about weather, climate, the ocean, space, and much more. Our goal is to help you better understand the weather and to love it as much as we do. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. In this episode, we'll be speaking with Dinesh Sanamaku from Google. He'll tell us about the AI technology they, along with American Airlines, are testing to optimize flight paths to limit contrail formation. We'll also talk with climate scientist Dr. Susanna Bauer to help understand the science behind contrails and their effect on the atmosphere. We'll also find out if Google's study on contrail reduction is a practical step forward in mitigating climate change. Dinesh, let's talk about this study. This is a huge partnership and a really cool study where you're utilizing AI, pilots, and all the power of Google. So you're with Google. Can you give me a little background on contrails and First of all, how they form, and then also the role that they're playing in climate change. Contrails are those thin, wispy clouds you often see behind aircraft. Um, They're actually nothing more than ice clouds that form under certain temperature and humidity conditions. Uh, The really interesting thing is that they have a large impact on our climate. Recent studies have shown that they could be up to 35% of aviation's total warming impact. So that's why we teamed up with American Airlines and Breakthrough Energy um, to see what we could do about it. Yeah, that's, that was new information to me too, um, which is very cool that you can adjust flight paths to avoid contrails. That's something else I didn't know could be done. So tell me about the study and how it was formed and what was done during the study. The study was a, a joint undertaking again, between American Airlines, Breakthrough, and Google Research. Um, so our, our goal was to see if we could use AI and very talented pilots to tackle, again, 35% of aviation's warming. So our first study 
uh, we believe is the first, the world's first statistically significant and verified reduction in contrails. So it was 70 live flights over about six months. And we verified contrail reduction using satellite imagery. Um, we think it's the first proof point that contrail avoidance may be uh, a new and cost-effective tool. Were meteorologists involved? And what were the factors here that kind of went into deciding the flight path? Yeah. So on the science side, these contrail-likely zones, again, it's contrail formation is something that's been studied, you know, for decades. So there are actually amazing studies from World War II that look at contrail formation. The climate piece is what's really new. And the way that it works is we actually create these forecasts for contrail likely zones specifically. So we take our kind of AI-based approach of pull in this large data set of satellite images, pull in weather data, pull in those weather forecasts, and then pull in flight data. And we basically create this forecast that the pilots then have on their iPad so they can see where we believe they would form a contrail if they flew through. And then they make their decisions, obviously in the safety envelope, they make their decisions of, do I go, can I go above it? Can I go below it? Can I avoid that region? And that's what we actually did in the test. So Google used these, these AI capabilities to generate these forecast maps. And then the pilots at AA were able to um, route around them. Interesting. How did you find out if this actually reduced contrail? Was there somebody like looking out the back window? How, how do you measure this? Yeah, that's actually a really large area of research in its own. So that's one part of the study that we're really proud of is how we verified, um, how we actually verified the reduction. So we use satellite imagery to do that. Um, specifically, again, 70 flights all in, in, so we had the luxury of having NASA's GOES-16 um, satellite constellation. So what we can do is using that satellite, we can combine that with our uh, AI algorithms and we can actually detect clouds from those satellite images the same way that they're the same way that we do with, you know, cats in a YouTube video or basically anything from an image. So that's how we proved it. So we would look at these satellite images and see flight by flight, did we see a contrail created by that flight or not. Cool. Okay. So what's next? How, like, how will this data be used? Is there any plans for American Airlines to put this into practice? Or, um, you know, has there been talk with the powers that be to actually reroute flights um, to, to make this usable? We have, a, we have work to do. Um, so some of the things that we're really excited to test next, um, I would say three things. One is that Google Research is always improving their AI tools. So we continue to plan to do that because we can always do better. Um, two, in collaboration, again, with our partners is really figuring out, okay, you're telling me we can avoid, we can reduce contrails by 54%. That's awesome. But how do we target the most warming contrails? So there's a whole set of science that we know nighttime contrails are the most warming. So we're really excited to look into how we would target those. Um, and then third, from the Google research perspective, our plan is to openly publish tools and data sets that can help everyone in the industry do it. So we think the only way that we do this in a science back way is if we're uh, open and, and the entire industry participates. 
Um, you may not have an answer for this, but I'm curious if, like, an- anecdotally, did any of the American Airlines pilots have stories of, like, added benefits to these different flight paths? Like, were, was there less turbulence or was it a smoother flight um, in other ways? It's tough to say with the the 70 flights. Most of the feedback that we got were actually uh, was actually related to how similar it was to avoiding turbulence. So that was what we got and no impact to safety, passenger comfort. That was most of the feedback we got, but that's a really good question. Did they say it added more flight time? Any inconvenience? So we did. It didn't add flight time um, as far as we know, but again, it was a small, small set of 70 flights. So I think that's a, a question that we're tracking. So that's one of those key metrics that we're certainly going to track and think about future trials. Okay. So Google's kind of getting into this AI machine learning world. um, And I'm really curious about kind of future efforts. Will there be future efforts when it comes to climate change mitigation um, and other studies like this? Anything in the works that you can tell us about? Google is certainly committed to sustainability. And specifically, we have tons of interesting and really promising projects within Google research on how we might combine AI to tackle, uh, how we might combine AI and data to tackle some of these big climate challenges. We are certainly committed and excited. Um, I think it's a bit cheesy, but I'll say it anyway. I love cheese. Because <laughs> we get asked all the time, why in the world is Google working on this? I thought Google was a search engine and an ads company. Like, why are you doing this? And I think really it's become evident that our planet needs really large climate solutions. So I think that's where control avoidance is potentially one of these exciting big climate solutions. But then generally, I think AI and technology has a big role to play in creating some of these new and innovative climate solutions. And that's what we're really excited about um, in Google Research. So we have a team committed to, to just working on that intersection of AI and climate problems. Yeah, what's cool about this solution, too, is it's not really a, a total pain in the butt. You know, it's not expensive. It's, yeah. it's like you said, it, they're not even adding flight time. So it, it costs a little bit of gas. So that's the trade off. But the thing I would say is compared to, well, first of all, it's 35% of aviation's warming, and that's relatively new science, right? So um, things are evolving and, and we're learning a lot every day. Um, but that's a huge chunk. And to have a solution where you can just drop it in to the existing kind of infrastructure, like you don't need a new plane, you don't need you don't need to train a new role, right? Like there are already um, folks in the aviation industry that have decades and decades of experience of avoiding turbulence and things that look very similar to to control avoidance. So that's the part that's exciting to us is uh, this is a solution that I think happens in years, not decades. And that's really, really exciting, especially given it could be 1% of human-caused warming. Do you have anything else you want to add? The one other thing I would add is the other interesting part of contrail avoidance specifically related to meteorology is contrails are highly dependent on relative humidity with respect to ice. So that science, the physical science is well understood. So there's a whole field of how we might improve that and how, again, we're using AI to try to augment the capabilities that we have today, but then what does, you know, a five, 10 year time horizon look like for weather forecasts in this space? So that'll be really interesting to see how that shapes up. 
Dr. Susanna Bauer is a climate scientist with both NASA and Columbia University. She uses climate simulations and real-world data to understand how pollutants influence atmospheric chemistry, climate, and air quality. Her research aims to advance knowledge of how natural and human emissions drive changes to the atmosphere and impact climate, weather, and health. Can you tell me what is happening when a contrail forms scientifically and then how that is contributing to warming? So what is happening is that the emissions from the aircraft, so you have um, tiny particles that come out, depends what type of fuel they use, but a lot of time it has some soot in it and other particles, and that is like a condensation nuclei that can form a droplet that can make a little cloud. Some air, you know, aircrafts also emit water vapor, so they provide the water vapor to make the contrail, or they go through an area with, with enough humidity so that an ice cloud can form. And it's an ice cloud because it's so high up in the atmosphere. If it would be lower and the temperature would be warmer, it would be a water cloud. Because it's high, you know, it's very cold there, so you know you, you, you get an ice cloud. And so the things with clouds, <laughs> they do a lot of different things in the climate system, depending what type of clouds they are. But the thing about ice clouds is they um, trap radiation. So, you know, you have the sun coming in and then it gets reflected at the surface or, or at a cloud level or whatever. And then, you know, it cannot really leave back the atmosphere because it's trapped by the by the reflection of those particles and it's reflected back. And the same for like at night, you know, when the radiation wants to leave, you know, when the, the Earth is radiating out into space, you know, and then that gets trapped. And, you know, this is only an effect that happens when the cloud is there. So it's not staying. So if the contrail is gone, that effect is gone, right? If so, if we would stop flying today, that effect would be over. Okay, so how did the IPCC report in 2022 address this, correct? So how do they quantify 35%? That seems very specific for something you said that's kind of hard to measure. And it also seems like a really high number. Is that What are your thoughts on that? Well, the question is 35% of what, right? Aviation-related warming, I believe was how it was put. Aviation-related warming, right. So that you have to compare to total warming. Right. So if you look at everything else we're doing to the atmosphere and why it's warming up, I would think aviation with all its effect, not just the contrails, come down to like 4%. And then within those 4%, you know, the biggest effect is the carbon dioxide emission. So, you know, it's that's the biggest problem of the aviation sector is the carbon dioxide. And so that is the majority. And then, you know, there are the other pollutants that are in the fuels and they have very funny effects. Some warm the climate, some cool the climate. So, you know, that can get complicated. And then there is a, this, a, this serious effect. And, you know, the, the way the community came up with that estimate is through a lot of studies, you know, a lot of observations, a lot of satellite studies, a lot of modeling studies. So I think that number is a reasonable, reasonable number. Okay, so this is Really, we look at it a very small percent of warming, but is this, in your opinion, a really practical solution, something that should be put into practice? Because why not? There's no harm in it. I mean, they, they say it uses a little bit more gas, but there didn't seem to be too many other drawbacks. So, yeah, you know, I think it is a great thing to do when there is some net benefit at the end of it. So if there would be more fuel use and you would put more greenhouse gases through that in the atmosphere, that would make not 
much sense. But, you know, I think in the study, they, they looked at that and they said that would be only a small increase. So overall, it would be still beneficial. And the other thing is about um, that sector, like, you know, that would be just one area to work on just to reduce the contrails. And the other area would to work, and that's active research, to look for new fuel types for aircrafts. So there is overall less emission at the end of the picture. But that is something in research that is nothing practical that can be done today, tomorrow or next year. So in that sense, it's kind of important to do something you can do right now. And as I have shown from that study, um, it seems to be possible. So I think that's great. All this together is, a, is you know, one step forward because with climate, even so it's a small sector, in every sector they have to do something. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, well, last question. I'll save the hardest for last. Um, I see a lot of <laughs> a lot of discrepancy among climate scientists and a lot of arguing going back and forth sometimes on Twitter regarding um, climate solutions and the debate of do we reduce greenhouse gases? Do we remove like carbon removal process or methane removal process? So this group of people who think. Um, well, these new climate solutions with pulling stuff out of the atmosphere are the answer. And then a group of people who are saying, stop wasting your time and your money on that. We need to immediately stop with what we're emitting right now. So what is your thought process on that? I mean, the answer is we have to do everything. You know, like um, the climate problem is a huge problem. We are very late to the game. Um, a lot of that knowledge is there since 30, 40 years. But I think, you know, people needed to get to this point to started to observe and their own experience with climate change to, to start to take it more serious. We are just at the absolute beginning of what we are seeing. So what is is coming is 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 really a gigantic problem. And we cannot say we will just, you know, reduce all the emissions right now because it's not happening. It's not practical. And it depends on every government in the world. It, it depends not on two people to make a decision. And so we will never get there. Like we will make progress in some areas and in others we won't. So, you know, we have to do everything. You know, we have to do carbon capture. We have to um, do as energy efficient as we can be. We have to look at all sectors, industrial, energy, agriculture is huge. And, you know, and, and aviation is, is a portion of it. And, you know, one thing that I would like to point out about aviation, what makes it so special is like, it's caused by very few people. And I'm one of them. <laughs> Me too. And it, it, <laughs> yes. And it's, it's, if I calculate my personal carbon footprint, I mean, like flying is my biggest problem because everything else I do pretty well. But there I don't have choices. Like if, if I need to go somewhere, I, you know, I need to take an airplane. I'm German. If I want to see my family, I have to fly. So it is, it is something that very caused by very few people. And that makes it very huge in, in a lot of people's individual carbon footprint. But the reason why it's not a much bigger problem out there is because most of humanity is not flying. Or maybe they take one flight a year not very far, but you know, like uh, the the, free, the frequent flyer among us, we are the ones who <laughs> who are doing all this. Hmm. Yeah, eye opening. 
Have you, are there any um, really crazy climate solutions that you've heard of? I mean, there's some where I can't, I've been shocked by, you know, like there was a guy who talked about like putting up a giant tent to protect <laughs> from the sun. Are there, I'm curious if there are any extremes in one direction or another that you think are really great solutions or one that you think is just absolutely ridiculous and we should waste our time with. Um, I mean, you ca- asked before about the carbon capture thing, which I think is is a conservative kind of good thing to try to take something out of the atmosphere. It's just like technically we're not there yet to be really be able to do it on a big scale. But then there's the other area of geoengineering and there are different ideas out there. And one is just, you know, to put up a lot of particles in the stratosphere and to reflect radiation. And that I find really scary because we don't know what we're going to do with our stratosphere, how we going to destroy ozone or, you know, like a lot of other effects. And um, so that is something I, you know, I hope nobody thinks is going to be a solution for the future. And then all the other smaller effects, like, you know, we also do some geoengineering already by painting roofs white in cities. Like, you know, these are like sensible, meaningful things we do that is not destroying anything. But, you know, we have to look at each individual idea and see what are the, you know, problems and, 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 and unknowns about it. And people have to be really careful because we only have one planet. <laughs> yeah, we've done enough damage already. So is there anything else you'd like to add? Just overall, I think that was a really great study. And I, I, I was excited to see that they paired with American Airline and they did, a, a, you know, right away testing that that's a way forward, you know, for a lot of solutions. You know, this problem is not solved by academia. <laughs> so it needs everybody, um, industries and, and um, think tanks and uh, government institutions like ours and uh, universities and just every business owner, like everybody, every human being who makes a decision how, how they use energy. While American Airlines has no immediate plans to put the contrail reduction routes into practice, they have set a goal of reaching net zero greenhouse gas emissions by the year 2050. You can check out how they plan to do that by going to American Airlines' website. Off the Radar is a production of the National Weather Desk. Make sure you're following the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes publish every Tuesday. If you know someone that's interested in climate change solutions or artificial intelligence, please share this episode with them. We'd also love you to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Let us know what you think of the show. Give me some ideas for future episodes while you're there. Special thanks to Ryan Berlin for his help with this episode. I'm meteorologist Emily Gracie. Make it a great day.